Welcome to the Rookie Realtor Reality Podcast with your host, Amir Hunter. And Bailey Weaver-Packard. With so many people thinking that realtors just look at beautiful houses and post on Instagram, this podcast brings you back to reality. This podcast explores the good, the bad, and the in-between. We're both with EXP Realty, so our experience may be different than yours, but over time, we'll have other agents, past clients, and others in the real estate industry, like inspectors, builders, lenders, and more. In this episode, we're going to talk about how we got into real estate. Um, so Bailey, yes. tell me about how long you've been in real estate. I've been in real estate since October of 2020, so it's been a year and a half. How about you? So I jumped into real estate, I think it was in the middle of August of 2021. Okay. So I think we're right approaching around seven months now. Nice. So, Less than a year. Yep. So I'm still very much a rookie, even though you're kind of- oh, No, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a rookie too. Let's be real. Wow. You're kind of in your sophomore year, but you're still a rookie. Definitely. Definitely still a rookie. But gosh, there's so much to learn. It so is. So I feel like we're going to be learning something all the time. It doesn't matter what part. Well, how long we've been in it. Well, I feel like real estate kind of changes every year. I mean, there's always different changes in the contracts and different legislations and things like that. The market, so, right. So the market changes, so you just kind of have to be ready, and you're always kind of going to be learning through the process. Right. So what's been your experience so far, I guess, with real estate? I mean, you're killing the game, even though oh, you, you don't uh, say it. <laughs> I, I'm, I really have loved it so far. It's been such a blessing. I've been in real estate, like I said, a year and a half. My first year, I did 15 transactions, and half it was it was seven sellers and eight buyers. So that was good. I'm thankful for that. So far, so good. How about yours? Seven months in, tell me what you got. So I don't track how many buyers and sellers I've had so far. <laughs> I just know total. I've done eight transactions total. Nice. Um, and That's think, more than one a month. Yeah, and I have four in escrow currently. Wow. Um, so, um, but they're new construction, so you got to wait months and months. Okay, <laughs> We're in the Raleigh, North Carolina area, and so new construction is just all around us. It is, and new construction is hard to find in this current market. Yes. So it's like we're chasing the builders because none of the new constructions are, are in the MLS. Right. So we're calling around, and our clients are sending us stuff, but the clients are pulling information <laughs> off the website that is three Outdated. months old, yes. and the prices have increased like four times since <laughs> what really, they were looking really at. Really, really fun. Yeah. That's the reality of this podcast. It is. We're going mean, to share it with you guys. It, it's, it's a struggle, but uh, real estate's been good so far. Um, it has been a challenge. Uh, it has been a um, a career that has challenged me. It's a career that I've been able to explore. It's a career that I've been able to grow so far. Right. So I'm excited about it. Um, so tell them a little bit about, do you do more commercial or residential real estate? residential definitely i'd love to get into commercial maybe down the line but i realize i need to really hone my craft in residential before i can get into the commercial yeah. what about you so for me it's more so residential um i am slowly getting into the commercial side yeah hey hey uh so i'm working with a commercial buyer currently um and uh have an appointment for a commercial listing too as well so learning a lot on the commercial side with uh, kind of like planning and uh, what kind of zone uses. It's a whole nother ball. It game. is. <laughs> and so, you know, you could have a commercial property and you could have the a client for that commercial property, but it could be the wrong zone. So right. It might not even work. So, so interesting. It is. So, you know, commercial initially I thought would be kind of the area of real estate that I would really want to get into. I could see it. Um, but, um, you know, I think it's a little bit easier to kind of get into the residential uh, market. But I've always thought about commercial because 
would think it'd be a little bit less competitive than the residential side. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we'll kind of learn as we go. Definitely. So what's been your experience uh, working on the buyer side of transactions? Okay, sure. I have been really lucky to work with mostly my sphere and then also referrals right off the bat. So that has been huge for me in my business. So being able to work with people that already trust and know me, but then also, um, you know, getting the referrals and helping those people kind of learn who I am and that they can trust me and um, explore in the Raleigh area because there's so many little pockets, you know, everybody's interested in a different part. So it's been fun to explore that. What about you? What about your buyers? So for me, uh, I haven't really worked my spear as much as I probably should have. Um, so I do get uh, a ton of clients through uh, referrals through like social media yeah. and things like that. Um, but um, I have been getting more people from my sphere recently. So I am working with some potential listings for my sphere nice. as well as the commercial buyers for my sphere too as well. So working those uh, those opportunities, but then also, um, you know, being ready if I do get a referral from somebody else or things like that. So um, that's been uh, great so far. And I guess we should probably talk a little bit about the different kinds of buyers. Yeah, let's uh, do it. Because like not every buyer is the same. Right. So like um, first time home buyers, tell me about your experience with those. Sure. Because of my age, I'm 27 and my sphere is all about that age too. So, you know, a lot of my friends are going to be first time home buyers and that's the time of life that my sphere is in. So first time home buyers are definitely a niche of mine, helping them get in into a great house with whatever kind of money they have currently and um and then there's also you know investors which you work a lot with yep i have worked with a few investors so um i guess let's go back real quick for first-time home buyers okay, sorry because <laughs> first-time home buyers is such like a i guess it's a it's a challenging group yeah but it's also a very exciting group to work with i think it's the most rewarding it, it is the most rewarding but I will say in our current seller's market, it probably is the most challenging to work with. Oh, absolutely. You're putting in a lot more offers than I think we used to yeah. with buyers because of the competition. But gosh, those first-time home buyers, they are they're go-getters. I mean, yeah. they won't give up until they get the house they want. Yeah. So with first-time home buyers, a lot of times they don't have the cash up right. front. Um, to be able to put in those strong, maybe due diligence offers sure. or things kind of written appraisal those, addendums, appraisal addendums. And in our market right now in Raleigh, you know, it's so competitive where people are spending so much dollars over uh, listing price to get a home and, and writing these strong due diligence numbers. I know I've heard from some people that we've heard numbers as high as like 100,000. 130 <laughs> over. Yeah. Wow. I've seen a lot. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I've never had a client that's rolled 130 over. I haven't yet either, but listen, we're we're gonna we're close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so it's so competitive that with first-time home buyers, I feel that sometimes they get the short uh, end of the stick, even right. though they're really just trying to get in and, and get their first home. And we kind of have to, I think, sometimes manage their expectations. Yeah, unfortunately, and education is is so important because they don't know what they're stepping into. So it's our job to explain to them what they're getting into. Yep, yep, of course. Um, and so um, it has been a rewarding uh, working with first-time home buyers, being able to pop that champagne. Uh, yes, <laughs> and uh, handing over that key. Yes. Oh my gosh, yes. that's a good feeling. Yes. So, um, but it has been a challenge at times where you're writing, you know, sometimes five, six, seven, eight different offers yeah. on homes uh, for them, um, and just being very strategic in the way that you're 
writing offers. And I will say that with first time home buyers, they are really learning as they go. Yeah. So their their mindset will be significantly different from the last offer you write. From oh, the, from the first you're one. You're so right. Yeah. I mean, on the first one, they're like, uh, "No, we're just gonna put like a thousand dollar due diligence. Uh, we're gonna write a listing." Uh, offer and we're going to get it and then they get uh, a little bit of disappointment I yes. think, in this current market and so their mindset changes the the things that they want in a home and they prioritize right. i think changes too as Definitely. well um and so um with that there will be somebody that will come in they're like hey i have to have a, a two-car garage mm-hmm. and it has to have x amount of bedrooms x amount of bathrooms right and it has to be under this dollar point um and so I will say clients' mindset will change once they see how competitive the market is. Yeah. But hopefully we get a shift. Um, but we've obviously been in the market where it's very much been a seller's market. Absolutely. We're in Raleigh. We're in such a special, almost, I want to say like shielded area because there's so much investment coming to the area. Billion dollar campuses being built. Um, lots of good stuff coming our way, which helps our market stay competitive. It does. And so um, I guess with the, the buyers, um, so we talked about first-time home buyers, mm-hmm. and then we started to get into investors. Have you ever worked with an investor before? I have. I'm trying to think. Yes, I have one. We did a um, condo purchase, and it was a great experience. Yeah. They're uh, much more money-focused, making sure that that works for them in long-term. So I have worked with a, a couple of investors. Um, I've worked with some investors who were not realistic. Sure. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes you, you will have clients that you do have to let go, just like there will be clients that will let you go as an agent. Yeah. But that's, that's just part of the business. Um, but I have worked with some investors who have been great to work with um, that would hopefully be continue to be repeat investors. Um, and um, I've had some cash investors, which have been great because then you get to submit a cash offer versus somebody that has a loan, right? <laughs> which which helps. Um, so I've built some great relationships with those. Um, and I think with investors, especially for me, I had an out of state investor, cool. um, and so they really have to kind of trust you on the ground um, and those experiences because you're literally only sending them videos, right? And kind of going over the condition of the home, absolutely. Um, and they really have to kind of trust you uh, with that. But um, the client was actually looking in a different area than even um, initially, and then I kind of showed them kind of return on investment, um, mm-hmm. and um, we end up going from Rocky Mount down wow. to Goldsboro area. A big jump. Yeah, it was a big jump. <laughs> I think they're what probably like an hour, hour and a half yeah. away. Um, and so she was able to see that, hey, my rental income is going to be significantly greater uh, with near the same investment um, if we switch areas. Um, and it took a little bit of convincing, but I think she finally trusted me. We got that house under contract. We closed in like 10 days because right. of the cash uh, buy. Um, and she uh, actually just rented that place out. Um, I think we only spent like 55000 on that house. Wow. And, and she has like, she makes $900 a month in rent on that house. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, that was a good investment. Yeah. And you're talking about a house that had like brand new plumbing, uh, brand new HVAC. Was I would say HVAC. I remember you saying um, that. In the property. So, I mean, if it's 5000 you can't complain. Right. <laughs> and she probably wasn't even exploring that area until you mentioned it and brought it to her attention. So, that trust is so important on the buy side, but also on the sell side. Yep. So um, what's your experience been like working with sellers? I love my sellers. <laughs> we become like family. I'm over there all the time and always in their ear, but it's been great. It's been mostly move up buyers. So those who 
have their first home or their second home, but then they're looking to move up and bigger. So they have to sell that one in order to buy. And that, you know, in this market, a lot of people are having to do that and doing seller possession after closing and whatnot, which we can dive into later on another episode. Yeah. But I really do love my sellers. Again, it's just a trust factor. I have to gain their trust to help them to get top dollar. And um, yeah, what about you? So uh, my seller experiences have been great. I do enjoy listings more than probably buying. Uh, So, um, you know, for me, I've had a couple, um, you know, we both did some listings for the same investor early in our careers, um, which have been great uh, because that investor is actually a real estate agent. So um, it's been great kind of working with with them. Learned a lot. Learned a lot um, early. Um, But then, you know, working with other uh, sellers have been great too. You know, I had a seller um, that I met at an open house um, and it was kind of a situation where they came in, they were looking, they didn't have an idea about where they wanted to move to. Um, and they were like, hey, we have a ton of equity in our house, uh, but we don't know about where we want to move to or anything like that. So, you know, me at that point, I was just really hungry to get a deal done. Yes, hungry is one of my favorite words. <laughs> yeah. And so I basically was like, hey, I can come by your house, do a comparative market analysis, tell you how much your house is valued at, and kind of talk to you about the process of getting your house sold so we can turn around and use that equity from your home uh, to help you buy and so that uh, was kind of really a labor of love experience on that uh, listing. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of uh, maintenance that hadn't been done on that home oh, um, that we had to get some handyman uh, in uh, just to get the house ready for the market. Luckily, we work in a very much seller's market currently. Right. But, you know, it's so important to still make sure the house is presentable. Correct. You know, we want to make sure the house is decluttered. It's in a, it's in a decent condition that people are going to want to come in and put it offers. Um, and so, you know, those clients really trusted me. You know, a lot of people really want to get the top dollar for their house, but clients don't really understand that if you list your house too high, that people won't come. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we ran a comparative market analysis and we went right in the middle of the comps um, and it actually sold higher than the comparative market analysis came back uh, by like $15,000. So it sold like 30000 30, over list price. Um, and so part of that is just trust, understanding that, hey, I want to get as many offers in front of you as possible mm-hmm. and allow the market to drive up the, the house price, not the seller. Right. So um, what was your, what did you do before you got into real estate? I was a sales rep for a gift company. So I was in wholesale where I sold clothes, jewelry, baby gifts, home decor to local businesses around North Carolina. I absolutely loved it now did you get a discount on those gifts <laughs> you know i did <laughs> so we knew that during that time all your gifts uh bailey's family came from <laughs> the discount that you got <laughs> you know maybe people <laughs> loved it it was really cute products but when covid came there was a shift and it was time for me just to to do something new it was the right time i had been in that gosh three or four years so we, you know, I talked to my husband and we just kind of came up with the game plan. What's next in real estate was the natural choice. Yeah. So, um, you know, for me, um, before I got into real estate, I worked in law enforcement. So Ooh. I'd been doing that for like nine years. Oh, my gosh. And uh, it was getting to the point where it was just so mentally demanding and stressful. Scary, um, maybe? And <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I guess you get trained so much to just go in 
head first and not think so much um but they train you for that so um i guess a lot of people outside of it don't really i guess think of it uh think of it as scary but when you're in the moment it's not necessarily that way it's you're thinking about protecting and kind of helping others sure. and so um and some of that experience has really shaped the way that i've uh got into real estate but, you know, during the time of me kind of thinking about real estate, I always thought about real estate as a after um, retirement type job. Okay. Um, and for me, it was a situation where, you know, we had the civil unrest going on in the, in the country and COVID hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the stress levels were just so um, high. And then I also think about, you know, the safety aspect too. And, um, you know, at that point in my life I just got married mm-hmm. um and so thinking about kind of what was next for me so um I guess shout out to my wife Nicole uh yeah. for uh you know really pushing me to jump into real estate um I was really uh, afraid because you know a lot of realtors are very much raw commission based yeah we are and so I'm so used to being in a government job where I knew every two weeks this is how much you my check was gonna be yeah. <laughs> yeah so uh it's very scary in that regard but I will say that uh, I do enjoy the work a lot more. I didn't think I would maybe initially, sure. um, but it's been something that I can help people um, in a different way. But I'm able to see the instant kind of gratification for people when they're able to close in that house or get that household for top dollar um, and see that instant joy on their face. So it's been great. Absolutely. So what I guess really, I know we kind of talked a little bit about it in this last question, but when you jumped into real estate, was it something, the change in your job that really kind of pushed you to, to jump in? Yes, definitely. I, when it was time for me to start looking for a new job, I just kind of thought, you know, what is it that I love from my last job? And it was hands down was the people. I'm a people person. I love getting to know people and creating the relationship with them. And I'm from the Raleigh area, born and raised here. So with those two pieces together, it was just a perfect you know, transition into real estate to, you know, to get that going. And my husband was like, just go for it. You know, why not? Now's the time we, we don't have kids and, you know, we've got all this time on our hands. So we jumped in. I say we, because he was just so supportive, but shout out to Sam. (laughs) That's right. Always. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just, I jumped in with two feet and it's been a blessing. Yeah, same for me. I mean, a lot of people jump into real estate um, kind of on a part-time basis. Right. And for me, I was thinking about it, and I said, hey, well, I think they throw out some crazy stat, like 87% like yeah. or, or something agents don't make it after five years. And I think I was thinking about it, and I was saying, hey, if I do it part-time, I'm probably not going to be that great at it because I'm not going to be available for showings. Right. I'm not going to be uh, paying attention to the markets as much as I should be. Um, and it's going to allow me to really miss out on some opportunities. And so for me, I jumped in it uh, full time too as well. Um, there are some probably some part time agents out there that are probably thriving. Killing um, it, I'm sure. But uh, I know a few. Yeah. <laughs> for me, it was kind of a situation where, hey, I have to do this full time. I knew working in the job I was before in law enforcement that it would have been way too difficult to try to do that because mm-hmm. I was working a lot of times like 50 hours a week wow. uh, and working very sporadic hours um, that working with real estate would have been very hard to do um, so I jumped in at full feet uh, two feet first too as well yeah um, and so tell me about like how your past experiences 
really shaped your career? Um, there's, some, there's something maybe from your past experiences that you really kind of took into your career? Yeah, I think it's really just that relationship, um, building the relationships and making sure that the people trust you to help them make decisions. In my last job, I was selling product that owners of stores had to trust me to know that that product was going to perform for them and bring them a good return on investment. And honestly, here in real estate, it's the same thing. My buyers have to know that I'm advising them for you know the best with their best interest and um, that relationship can take you really far yeah of course so for me it has been you know trust you know working in a law enforcement background trust and communication being able to communicate people in very high stress environments um, I've been able to take those experiences um, and roll that into real estate um, which has been great because uh, obviously if you're working with buyers or sellers and there's a situation that arises where, hey, they're going to miss out on an opportunity on a house or um, there's something that comes up where there's like a title issue in the middle of a transaction or yeah. something like that that happens crazy, being able to talk people, um, I guess, off the ledge a little bit, mm-hmm. um, keeping them calm and kind of working with them and communicating with them and allowing them to trust you um, has been kind of critical. And that's something that I kind of pulled from my law enforcement background. Right. Um, so it's been uh, great. I will also say a little bit about like safety too as well. Sure. Uh, kind of we going to, in houses. You need to teach me, yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes uh, people don't really think about it uh, being a real estate agent, but you're literally going into houses with sometimes uh, random strangers yes. uh, that you're meeting for the first time. And so um, there are some obviously safety concerns. So, you know, taking some of that um, too as well um, kind of going into it just to make sure that we're safe, uh, you know, going out to meet people. But my goal is to obviously go in safe, but to build that relationship and that rapport so that hopefully they go from a stranger to a friend uh, to uh, hopefully a past and repeating client Right. Uh, yes. uh, kind of going forward. Um, so before you got into real estate, we all had to go through like pre-licensing and right. taking the exam yes. to get our license. So what was pre-licensing like for you? I did pre-licensing all online, which was really handy. It was awesome. I did it before. I did that, and then I did post-licensing all before I really even dipped my toe into real estate and the transaction side of things. So that was helpful. But I did it with Fonville Morrissey. I loved Vicki Ferniehow. That was my teacher. She's awesome for pre-licensing. And then post-licensing, I did it with Pan School. But... The online is the way to go, man. I mean, I was able to do it during the day. I wasn't working at the time, so I knocked it out during the day. Long days, but it was worth it. What about you? So for me, um, I was still working in law enforcement when I was taking my pre-licensing. And so I was taking the courses on the weekends um, to finish those. And so um, pre-licensing, it was... It was good, but I will say that I wish I would have kind of done a little bit more research, I guess, okay. for the, the pre-licensing. I just kind of picked a school that was kind of, you know, a good price and that, that was also um, fit the schedule that I needed. The scheduling is important. Um, and so I actually had to lean on uh, Travis Everett with the PAN school yes. um, for my pre-licensing and watching his videos on the weekend um, to kind of help me make it through the course. Because I will say, like, going into the course, I think it was the first weekend instructor was telling us how tough the, the course was and she said hey in my last class we had one person out of 17 people pass the, the course that's so encouraging wow yeah and I was <laughs> like okay so I guess I have to be that one person because there's no way I'm retaking this course right <laughs> uh, so I end up um, taking the course um, and 
I think there was there was at least two people from my class that passed. I was one of them. Wow. Um, and I'm not sure if there's any others, but I know I, I contacted a couple, mm-hmm. and I know at least one other one. Um, and she actually works with EXP now too as well. Awesome. Um, Lisa, shout out to Lisa. Um, and um, so I was able to talk to her afterwards um, and get her over to EXP as well, and she's enjoying it. And so for me, uh, pre-licensing was, I guess, a balancing act, trying to balance a, a job yeah, <laughs> and also uh, the courses. But I took my post-licensing while working as a real estate agent because I just really wanted to kind of jump in, uh, start making money. Um, and, um, and then I would be able to use kind of my experiences um, while I was taking post-licensing to be able to apply everything a little bit better, in right. my opinion. Sure. Um, and so that's what I ended up uh, doing uh, for, for me but obviously if you have the ability to kind of take it on the front end and not worry about it right. uh, that's also great too there's so many different routes you can go there is um, and so um, what recommendations do you have for people when they're choosing a pre-licensing course I would take a look at the scheduling how quickly do you want to get licensed before you start working or do you want to go mayor's route and get licensed while you're working you know there's each school is going to have different schedules available, different packages available. So just doing the research up front. Yeah. And I, I will mention that, you know, before before COVID hit, you can only take the school in person before. And then right. when COVID hit, it allow you it, it allows you to take the the course in person or online. Um, and so taking advantage of the online really helped, especially for somebody that is also working um, at the same time. So that was Definitely. obviously great. But I would say just do your research. I mean, get on Google and look at reviews of the school. Um, I will say that Travis Everett with the Pan School here in North Carolina yes. was a savior. Um, so if you have I would the, agree to that. So if you have the chance, I would take his course. Um, even if it you know costs a little bit more than another school, then um, it'd be worth it. Because I ended up feeling like I was taking school twice because yes. I was watching his videos 24-7 and then also still showing up for my class, even though I was really depending on Travis's videos. Right. I had his YouTube videos on repeat, like when I was walking my dog and whatnot. He was always in my head. Yeah. So I was literally like, I would go running in the morning, walking, and then like also watching his videos. Because the great thing about the way that Travis is teaches is that he kind of breaks it down a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. we talk about kind of bigger words in real estate, like caveat emptor or Ooh, other. Haven't heard that one in a while. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, you know, Travis kind of breaks it down to almost layman's terms, and he breaks it down to the way that you're going to be asked questions on the exam. Because the way the exam kind of sets up, there's two answers that could potentially be right. Um, but it's just the way that the questions ask if which ones are more applicable. Right. Um, and so he really breaks it down. So he will literally tell you that, hey, you're going to see this answer. Do not fall for it. Right. It's this answer. Um, and I can literally hear his voice during the oh, exam. Oh, yes. Yeah. My biggest takeaway from all of his videos would be he gives so many scenarios. You know, this is happening. How would you react? And that's exactly how the test is. So hearing those scenarios and understanding them through his point of view really helped. Yeah. So what was your process kind of leading up and taking the exam? I tried to take my test as fast as I possibly could after the classes. You know how you had to schedule them. And when I was getting licensed, it was 2020. So so many people were jumping into real estate at that time. 
and I actually had to go to Fayetteville and go to one of their proctored exam locations because all the Raleigh and Cary locations were full. Wow. So I went to Fayetteville, but really just studied through those videos. I took some of those paid like online tests you can do, and then also Quizlets. I'm I'm a sucker for a Quizlet. That was helpful mm-hmm. too. Yep, for me, um, you know, leading up to it, I I tried the the flashcard route, um, mm-hmm. but I felt like my my wrist was hurting trying to write <laughs> out all those flashcards. Yeah. So I did pay for some of the services. Um, so I think when you took your post, I mean your pre licensing, yes. there wasn't a class exam on yours. Correct. Yeah, it was um, so new to online that they didn't require you to take a class test. Yeah. So when I took mine, there obviously was, Ooh. and that a lot of people would not pass. Right, that makes sense now. <laughs> um, but um, I took the I took the the class exam, so that really kind of helped prepare me for the the, the the state exam. Um, but um, you know, for me, I used the online systems for testing to help me kind of prepare for the exam. I think. I feel like PSI may have had one too as well. That, that sounds familiar, use. yeah. Um, and then I used another program too as well. So I used those. Also just listening to Travis's videos like 24-7. And then also um, on Travis's videos, when he goes for the prep for like the exam, he uh, he will go through chapter by chapter, kind of like the highlighted points. So I actually made like a, a four or five page study guide. Wow. Um, and then most of that information, uh, I feel like was kind of on there or something similar to it uh so that was uh great um but i will say like taking the exam my experience was different than yours because it sounded like you went to a proctor i did i drove to to fayetteville which is about an hour and a half from raleigh and i took the national and the state i passed national the first round but failed the state the first round which is pretty common you know don't roll your eyes (laughs) in here um so but then i went back and i passed the state what about you? Yeah, so for, for me, uh, my experience was different because when I took my exam, they allowed you to take it remotely as well as you could, or you can go to a proctor location. Okay. Now, looking back at it, I wish I would have went to the proctor location because Uh-oh. they were so, such a stickler on the, um, the, the remote option. So for me, I was still working in law enforcement, so I had an office, <laughs> and I said, hey, well, maybe I can go to the office so nobody bothers me. Uh, so I went to the office, tried to log in there, but um, there you couldn't um, take the exam on a VPN, which is a virtual private network, something that like protects all that information. Cor- correct. Okay. <laughs> um, and so uh, because of that, um, I when I tried to take the exam at the office, um, I had to do like a, a hotspot, and so when mm-hmm. I did the uh, hotspot, I got through most of the exam actually got through the national section and they allow you to mark questions that you want to look back at for review. So when you're looking at those questions back for review, the, uh, the system crashed. Oh my God. So I was having such issues, uh, with that, that, um, I end up having to call the, uh, PSI system and they gave me permission to go home, start the exam at one Probably had to leave the office at 4.30 because oh I was gosh. still working on trying to reconnect. You're three hours in. Yeah. And so luckily that the the questions that I'd answered actually saved oh, within good. the system. I was going to ask. And then I had to go home, reset up everything, uh, and then they make you scan the room, like with oh. the recording, to make sure that everything's suitable to take the exam. Make no sure there's, there's no cheating, no documents. 
and like uh like if your light's too low if you look away from the screen too long like they're literally oh like gosh. sending a message to you like hey you need to like look up or uh we're, you're gonna be like black for cheating oh my gosh they don't mess around no so i wish i would have went to the proctor location um but finally got everything done it was probably close to seven um but i did pass the national and state exam the first time oh, way to go. um and i got so excited that i jumped out of the seat and then i got yelled at through like the messenger saying that hey you need to like stay still until we log oh, you out man. of the system and make sure like all your um materials are erased because you couldn't use a piece of paper you had to use a dry erase board if what? and i was like who has a dry erase board you had to go buy one I, I didn't, have, I didn't one. have one. I just had to fake it until I made it. <laughs> so, and if you have a dry erase board, you literally have to show them back on the screen again and like erase it to show that you didn't like take any information from the exam. Oh my gosh. Uh, so, um, so yeah, so that was my experience, but passed it the first time. And then from, from there, obviously, you know, we'll get into this in the next episode, but kind of our experience kind of looking for a brokerage to kind of work right. at. You know, for me, I kind of did some work on the front end. Um, and so I kind of had already interviewed at one brokerage. And then from there, I had already reached out to probably about four or five other brokerages okay. and started talking to them, maybe through like LinkedIn. Um, and at that point, I had an idea of where I wanted to go, um, but I still wanted to maybe do my due diligence and touch base with another one or two uh, brokerages after I got my license to figure out what was going to be the best fit right. for me. Um, for me, I knew personally I didn't want to go to a traditional brokerage like a, like a brick and mortar, brick and mortar, you know, like your Remax or Coldwell Bankers. Um, and so, um, you know, for me, um, I wanted to look something that was more contemporary mm -hmm. and that allowed me to look at some additional options. So but we'll get into that a little bit more on the next episode. So um, from here, tell them how they can find you and follow you. And Yes, come hang out with me on social media. I love it there. I spend far too much time. But she does. <laughs> I, uh, I do mostly on Instagram and some Facebook, but my Instagram is Bailey Weaver Packard Realtor. So go check me out there. Message me. I'm happy to help with anything. What yep. about you? How can they find you? So I'm on Facebook and Instagram. So my Facebook is probably not as big as my Instagram. Uh, so I think uh, Amir Hunter, uh, EXP Realty, um, you'll be able to find me there. Um, but on Instagram, it's Amir Hunter. So A-M-I-R, last name Hunter, H-U-N-T-E-R, um, underscore real estate um, on Instagram. Uh, that's where you will find a majority of my posting. And all my posting that's on Facebook is probably coming from my Instagram. Right, right, right. Uh, so um, you'll see my reels there and some posts. Um, but feel free to follow us there. Feel free to, to send us DMs on our social media. Um, we are open to any questions that you guys have. Yes, um, ask away. Ask away. We may have uh, one of you guys come on as a guest in the future. That'd be cool. Uh, but we just want to kind of give you guys kind of the reality of what it's like being in, in social, I mean, not in social media, in real estate. Both, yeah. um, and obviously you will have to use a little bit of social media in this, this day and age right. uh, in real estate. So um, I think it's important to give a, a good reality check um, for people that are thinking about getting into real estate. So they have a good understanding. They're prepared for it. Right. Um, and uh, they're not just jumping in thinking, hey, I'm going to make uh, a million dollars. A million dollars. Yeah. That's <laughs> now, the goal, though. Now, you, you might do a million in, in, in volume, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a difference between a million dollars in volume and a million dollars in your pocket. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. So thanks for joining us today. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time.